0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avit Khan, and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a Bootstrap business. This episode is called On Reusing Content. Before we dive into audience building and optimizing your content strategies, I would like to mention that my book Zero to Sold is now finally available on Audible. As you seem to enjoy audio content, listening to a podcast, right? I bet you'll love the 10 hours and 48 minutes audiobook for uh, my best-selling book on bootstrapping. Uh, you can head over to zero2salt.com and find the link to Audible and many other audiobook platforms there. I'd be happy if you could just check it out. Thanks so much. So now let's get started. We're talking about reusing content today, and creating valuable content in itself is hard and producing it reliably is even more challenging. Many creators are holding themselves back by believing that they need to create original work at all times. They think that reusing content is a cardinal sin of audience building, and I believe differently. There's a incredible value in reusing your content, and I think this comes from a misunderstanding of what makes content valuable that exists among many people that are building in public because they focus only on originality And by focusing only on originality, they miss the equally important but often neglected concepts of accessibility and timing. And those are the things I want to talk about today. If you want your content to have the highest possible impact, you should give accessibility and timing more consideration. So let's look into content accessibility first. What good is a piece of content if the people it's meant for can't consume it? When I started the Bootstrap Founder blog, I focused exclusively on written articles. That was all I wanted to do and that's all I did. And over time, more and more people flocked to the blog and the number of people reaching out about alternative formats increased. Some people don't have the time to read your long form content because they're either struggling their day jobs, side business efforts and family life, or others are visually impaired or dyslexic. You can make your content accessible to these potential readers by just moving it to another format. And if you only have one format, you might not reach those people. And after receiving a handful of those messages, I decided to turn my weekly blog post into a podcast as well. So after writing the article, I would record myself reading it aloud and just adding a short intro and an outro. That's all I would need to do to make my writing accessible every week. It may take me maybe 20 minutes of editing plus the actual time recording it, which is usually between 10 and 50 and maybe sometimes 20 minutes as well, but it's absolutely worth it. And it doesn't even have to be a different format to be more accessible. It could just be the distribution channel that changes. Initially, I wrote blog posts exclusively, so I would really just write on my blog and I would release um, only on the blog. That was all, right? You could maybe get an RSS feed or something, but the blog would be the only place. But I also release my article as a newsletter every week. It's the same text, but it's delivered to my readers instead of them having to visit my blog. So this act of creating the newsletter isn't even a five-minute deal for me. I can use the article verbatim and just wrap it into a headline and a few lines of an outro. So it doesn't even take me 30 minutes to turn my blog post into a newsletter and a podcast episode each week. So from one piece of content spring, three different pieces with different audiences and different reach. And this gives me a fantastic opportunity. I can build a flywheel from that. So each blog post includes a link to the newsletter sign-up page and an embedded player for the podcast episode. Every podcast episode links to the blog post in the show notes and also allows people to sign up for the newsletter. Every newsletter episode has a link to the podcast episode and to the blog, cross-linking all over the place. And this kind of cross-linking of your content variations will do a couple of things. cross content allows people who have different preferences to find alternative and more easily consumed versions of your work. Providing options increases your conversion among those people. It also makes your content innately shareable in the medium that your consumers prefer cross linking content also diversifies and cements your audience. The more people you can get to join your own audience, such like an email list, the better. If you write on platforms like Medium or Twitter, where a company has full control over your account visibility and the audience that you have, it's more like a borrowed audience in that case, allowing people to connect with you directly is critical to just de-risk your audience distribution. And finally, cross-linked content gains noticeable SEO benefits from just having links to your projects on high-authority websites, such as podcast hosting platforms. The more search engines know about the connectedness of your content, the easier it will be found by those who are looking for it. So good content is accessible. And now that we've figured out the how, let's look into the when, something that people often skip. I'm talking about content timing here. Where a lack of accessibility makes content hard to consume due to certain limitations, which I've stated already, being exposed to the right content at the wrong time is similarly problematic. Imagine you write an in-depth article about how to publish a book, but the person reading it hasn't even written the first line of their manuscript yet. They'll need the insight from your work eventually, just not now. And everybody is at a different stage of their journey. Whatever you create will resonate strongly with some and less with others. But that's not a quality problem or one of not being original enough. The problem is that you spoke too soon to this particular person. And the problem of not being able to time the release of your content perfectly for everyone has an easy solution. Just repeat yourself. When you write content that works best for any particular stage of the professional journey will post a piece of content again a few months later when other people are at that stage of their journey. And the risk of that, of sharing your work over and over, is reaching a point of saturation. Right? Some people who have advanced past a certain level of skill might feel you're not talking to them anymore. That's the risk of sharing the same stuff over and over. And I saw this a few weeks ago. Florin Pop is a developer, And he's teaching other developers how to make money from being a developer. He pondered quite publicly on tech Twitter or on Twitter if tech Twitter is dying. That was his perception because he saw a drop in activity and engagement with his quite sizable Twitter audience. I think he's about 70,000 followers on Twitter. And I believe what he's witnessing can be called audience graduation. This process of his initial audience outgrowing the content that he produces. And once you have taught everything you know, and your audience has completely absorbed it, well, you don't get any benefit from teaching the same stuff again to the same people, right? So you either need to find a fresh audience, or change yourself to cater to your existing audience's new needs. And I know that this seems to be a long term problem. But you'll need to keep this in mind when picking the themes and topics for your work. And Audience graduation also seems to be like one of these champagne problems, right? You'll be glad to have it because it indicates that you have successfully built a sizable audience. But it's a problem nonetheless that can bite you at scale, so you should prepare for it. So Now, having talked about timing and accessibility, I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about curation, because that's also very important. The act of reusing other people's content, because so far we've only talked about our own written content, but there's so much more. Originality isn't limited to creating something from nothing. You can also use other people's content in an original way. And let me just mention a couple of ways of adding value to somebody else's work. The first thing that comes to my mind when I think about curation is contextualization. Let's take Florence tweet about his engagement problem. You can share that tweet with commentary, adding your own opinion on why he's experienced this issue, pulling in similar tweets by other accounts and highlighting those, or maybe just linking to an article that deals with shifting audiences. You, by, by doing that, you enrich the content with your own thoughts and insights, and thus you're actually creating original content because that edition wasn't there before. And people who flock to this original tweet now see something that is maybe even more valuable than the question posed in the original tweet. So that is a way to contextualize content and make it more valuable. At the same way, debunking an article can work. Just the same, right? You you can take something and you can give your opinion on why it's not true and why it doesn't work and cite other articles and cite knowledge that you have somewhere else. This is also contextualization, and it doesn't have to be supportive. It can also be a counterpoint to what you see. So that that is one thing, contextualization. The other thing is summarization, a thing that a lot of people, particularly on Twitter, have been highly successful with. Because if you read a long-form article in an online magazine, like one of these E.ON articles that are like 25, 30 minutes, if you read them, chances are that you can distill it into a list of a dozen insights. And that list itself is super valuable because it allows interested readers to discern if they should spend half an hour reading the whole thing or not. So you can become this trusted source of condensing knowledge. And that much denser information is highly sought after original content too. Because that is valuable. You're just saving somebody half an hour of their busy day. That is original. And finally, let's talk about recommendations. Kind of in the same vein as um, summarization, but slightly different. With all the social media noise that's around, it's hard to know what to consume and what to skip. And curating interesting resources, either by providing additional context or a quick summary, can be a viable way of creating content for your audience. And the thing about this, about curating like lists of interesting articles and lists of, of content, is that you can eventually turn this into an info product yourself. And you can sell that. So your effort at building content actually creates a product that has value above the already existing value that it has but just creating buzz and creating an audience but it can actually have monetary value too and as long as you add value either contextualization summarization recommendation or whatever you do in curating other people's content it's perfectly fine to use other people's work don't think that content only means your own stuff doesn't have to be so uh, one more thing There's an interesting in-between type of content that you can leverage at a certain point in your audience building journey. And that is content with and about you that is created by others be it a shout-out on Twitter, a conversation on Twitter, or a short interview on a blog, or a fully-fledged podcast episode that you've been invited to or that you're invited yourself into by asking a person on Twitter, you can just ask podcast hosts to appear on the show. I hope you know that because that's actually a way to get heard. and You don't have to wait to be invited. You can actually ask. So anything that involves you, will undoubtedly be attractive to your audience because they follow you because they're interested in you. So for myself, I have a list of all the podcast episodes that I ever appeared in on my blog. Whenever a new one comes out, I heavily feature it on my social stream and add it to that list. And then I share that list every now and then. And provided that the host agrees, I can even rebroadcast the episodes on my own show. So this is advertising for them for the other podcast and it brings some diversity to my show because it's just me talking right it's nice to kind of mix it up and in the same way i have turned a lot of conversations on twitter that i had with people into articles and podcast episodes often these conversations spark a certain topic that stayed on my mind for a few days and that finally resulted in an essay on this issue which i then broadcasted in the same flywheel like way in three pieces of content that spark further discussions by different people on the same subject and that leads to more ideas for content it's this never-ending loop of content begetting more content so creating original content is wonderful don't Um, yeah, I don't think it's not important to do that, but it's not the only way to provide value to your audience by allowing for accessibility, understanding that different people need to learn about things at different times and by reusing content made by other creators and adding value to that, you can generate immense value for those who are listening to you, your audience, and that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at avitkal, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L, and you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zero to sold. Com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at bootserfounder.com If you want to support me in the Bootswarp Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com. It'll help other founders and founders to be able to find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their Bootswarp businesses. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.